Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. You have found the Shanty Pants Show. People ask all the questions the box you win To classify your life with the stroke of a pen Take those old rules, crumple them, throw them out We're burning that box right now Although I am most often recognized for my ridiculous comedic fashion and makeup tutorials on my social medias, I also have a deeper side. I have been learning, growing, and recovering so much in the last couple of years, and I'm thrilled to bring you along on my journey as I continue to break the mold that I've been living in for far too long. I'm so fortunate to have the privilege of interviewing some movers and shakers who are encouraging my healing process through sharing their own stories. I speak with many who have suffered through challenges I myself have been through, such as living in a cult, infertility, foster care, adoption, and mental health illness. I have experienced firsthand how the stories of others have impacted impacted me in my journey of healing. I'm honored to bring these stories to you all in hopes that you too can learn, grow, and heal. And also to remind us all that we are not alone. Welcome to the Shanty Pants Show. I will let you guys kind of introduce um, yourselves individually if you'd like, and then we'll kind of talk about how you guys all um, got together and started what you are amazing at now. Mm -hmm. So uh, let's see. Why don't, Lori, do you want to go ahead and get us started? I am Lori Long. I'm a child psychologist, and I have a private practice in Scottsdale where I specialize in testing for autism and ADHD and learning disorders. Um, but we also have this amazing um, business, the Childhood Collective. It's amazing. It's so amazing. Thank you. It is okay. amazing. <laughs> uh, Katie? Perfect. So I'm Katie Severson. I'm a speech language pathologist. And um, I currently am mostly focusing my attention on the Childhood Collective and mom life. Um, but before that, I spent about 12 years in private practice doing a lot of 
different things related to speech, but I always sort of gravitated towards the executive functioning kids, kids who were struggling socially, kids that needed a lot of help with like that perspective taking and organizing their backpack and all that sort of thing. And so um, the last probably about five years, I worked in a psychology practice and the three of us actually overlapped for a short amount of time there. Um, We were all doing diagnostic testing. And so the speech and language piece would kind of come into play when the psychologists were doing their assessment. And they would say, okay, you know, what's your thoughts about this specific aspect? And so much of ADHD really does come back to language, um, that internal language and that kind of thing. So it's kind of how I got connected into this. And um, definitely it's a big passion of mine. Yeah, so I'm Mallory Yee. And like Lori, I'm also a child psychologist. And also like Lori, Um, My PhD is in school psychology, so I have experience working in the schools, also working in private practice. Um, I've worked in pediatricians' offices doing um, kind of in the primary care setting, meeting families at their medical home and providing services in that way. And um, that was a unique experience because in a lot of ways, I was family's first if, parent, if parents were bringing up concerns to their child's pediatrician about attention or hyperactivity or struggling at school, pediatricians would send them right to me and I'd be like the first person to talk to them about that and maybe pursue um, an ADHD diagnosis or other possible explanations for the challenges. But it was really nice meeting families in that setting because pediatricians are busy and they have a lot to do and sometimes they don't have the means or the training to really do the in-depth evaluations that kids with ADHD often need. But we were at their disposal under the same roof. Um, So working with families in that setting was really unique. And I hope that that spreads a little bit more across the U.S. I think it's a great way to reach families. But again, we're always thinking about ways to reach more families, get them evidence-based information. And that's part of the reason that we started the Childhood Collective is because we saw that there was this big need for families to have quality evidence-based information about ADHD and how to pursue a diagnosis and how can they support their child at home? How can they help their child at school? And we found ourselves having these same conversations with families day after day after day. And we thought if we could make this information more accessible to families, we could help a lot more people. And so that's part of the reason that we started the Childhood Collective is because we knew that we had this high quality information that we wanted to reach families. And we thought that this was the best way to do that. I love that. And I love what you guys, what you guys are doing now. That's how I found you guys was on Instagram, probably because I, you know, look at everything mental health related and help me with my kids related. And so magically you guys show up on my feed. Whoa. Um, And I love what you guys do. And I love all the information that you guys share, uh, whether it be on social media, your website, um, and through the program that you've created. Now, how did, um, I think Katie, you briefly touched on it, but how did you all three kind of meet? I know you were all at the same facility at the same time for brief time. Is that where you met? Not officially. So we all kind of have like different overlapping roads. The first time that I met Lori, I actually, we were in an IEP meeting. So a school meeting for a child, we were both doing testing at a charter school and I had done the speech and language piece and Lori had done the psychology piece. And it's kind of like an ongoing joke that the first time I ever saw Lori, she was like super put together. And if you know, Lori, you know, she's pretty put together. And I was in my car, like running late for the meeting with all my stacks of files. And I was like trying to put my mascara on in the car. And like, I like noticed her. And then I was like, Oh, she looks really put together. And walk in the meeting and she was there. And I was like, 
oh my gosh, it's so nice to meet you, but I'm awkward. I don't know. So um, that was how we very first, Lori and I first met. And then we both had our daughters, our oldest, um, pretty similar timeline within Mm. just a couple of months. And then a mutual friend who, you know, I feel like the world of psychology and testing and all that is pretty small. So a mutual Mm. friend said, Hey, you know, you both are having kids at the same time and you're both looking for a nanny. So we ended up nanny sharing for, I think a little Mm. over a year when the girls were small and it was wonderful. They were at Lori's house. Um, and then I, we would get pictures all the time of them, like taking all the books off the shelf and that kind of thing. So they were each other's first friends. Um, and then Lori and Mallory, you guys met through like Lori, you supervised Mallory, right? Yeah. Very briefly. She did her residency. Mm. Um, at the same practice, we all kind of overlapped at, and then we were colleagues working mm-hmm. together for several years. And then I was leaving to start my own practice when Katie started at the practice. So we had about like one or two months where we were yeah. all there oh, wow. at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, that's kind of how we all met. Okay. But and at then, that time, we didn't have the Childhood Collective. Like, Lori right. was launching her later, practice. Okay. Yep. And so then Mallory and I continued to work together for a couple of years and um, became friends. And it was all Lori's idea. Like, the Childhood Collective mm-hmm. in it, infancy was her idea. Because, again, when you give that label, the ADHD diagnosis, a lot of times, you know, there's just not a clear path of resources. And thinking about, like, right. autism, which is another really common diagnosis, there's a lot more clarity for parents about what to do and how to talk to your insurance and what are the options available in school. And it's just so much more, it's a hard path, but it's a clear path um, where ADHD is just more ambiguous. And so Mm. um, that's where Lori was like the first one to say, Hey, I think we need to get this information out to parents at a much Mm -hmm. wider scale than we can do in a week in our offices. Um, And so she approached both Mal and I with her idea and Really, we didn't know what it was going to... I did not know what it was going to turn into. Um, but it was really exciting to think about like, okay, what? how could we do this? And how could it grow and shape? Yeah. And yeah. And mm-hmm. now that's what... And you're doing that full-time now, Katie? Yeah. I mean, was it you? Okay. it's not really a full-time job. I mean, honestly, but it's like yeah. full-time. Yeah. And it's... Right. That's um, what you're doing. I'm also... I have two younger kids. And so I'm kind of like splitting my time between those two things. But previously I was working in private practice about 40 hours a week and I Mm. was doing the childhood collective and I was trying to run (laughs) my house and not (laughs) give myself an ulcer. And it was just too many things. So um, Uh, I'm really happy this last few months I've had just a little bit less on my plate and that's given us a lot more time to focus on, on our new, on our business and our new podcast, which we're very excited to have you on our podcast once it officially releases. Um, Yeah. That's the newest aspect that we're, we're growing. So that'll be so, Oh, I'm so glad you guys are doing that. And I think, I mean, we've talked before, but I know that's why I started my podcast is I love stories and I love hearing from people Mm -hmm. and I love talking, but I feel like I learn every single person I talk to, even if it seems like we have nothing in common, I walk away with like, wow. Mm -hmm. And I, I think with you guys and the knowledge that you all three bring to the, to the table is for a podcast. I, I love podcasts. Like there is so such a huge reach you can do with it. Mm-hmm. And with the information that you guys bring, I feel like it's lacking in the podcast world. And so I think 
it's amazing. And yeah. there's room for everyone, you know, like even if there is a million other people doing the same thing, yeah. there's room for more. And, and again, I just feel like because I look for subjects like these to listen mm-hmm. to, um, I'm excited. I think that it's yeah. going to be awesome. We and it'll just all, bring a whole nother level to what you're already doing. Yeah. We have all consumed a lot of information from podcasts and truthfully really grew our business from listening to podcasts and yeah. what we learned through them. Um, they are really powerful. And for me, especially I'm not a reader. I mm. like to listen. Um, and I like short bits of information cause I have a short attention span. So I, yeah. you know, again, I feel like, um, yeah, it'll help a lot of families and, and we're really excited about it. And we're excited to learn too. I mean, I think that, like you said, it's such an amazing way to learn from other yeah. experts in the area. Right. Yeah. yeah. And we love your podcast too, Shannon. I think it's so yeah. amazing. And I think the, the best thing about your podcast is how you really do pull out people's stories and it mm. helps people to feel like there's such a sense of community. And I think Mm. that's something that a lot of ADHD parents that, you know, we're talking all day long with ADHD parents and there's this sense of isolation. Like this is so challenging and maybe it's, I'm the only one that struggles with this. And so, um, with the podcast, you know, it's, it's kind of been a dream for a long time, but our goal too, is to really like amplify those voices of parents who they themselves maybe just got a diagnosis or they're navigating it for more than one kid in their family. And it can feel again, just so isolating, but, um, kind of just bringing that out and saying, Hey, no, there's, there's a lot of us that are, are going through this and you're not alone. Yes. Oh, I love that. I just think it's so, I mean, that's my whole thing is to help people not feel alone. And Mm -hmm. I think it is such a valuable in any asset or any part of life. It's, so valuable. And I think, I mean, because I deal with it myself, mental health, and then Mm -hmm. plus, like you said, having these kiddos with that need extra support, it's very an emotionally hard place to be in. And so having those people that you can reach out to for support or having a podcast that you can listen to, it does give you that little bit more sense of community. Like, okay, there's other people that are dealing with this too. Like Mm -hmm. I'm not alone. And, and then learn again, that whole learning thing. It's like, there's so much valuable information and you guys are so, this is your world. So I'm excited to see like what type of guests you bring on the podcast because you're so, you know, you're so plugged into that world that you're going to bring a lot of good information. So I'm really, I'm really excited about that. Really excited. Thank Um, you. Yes. And so we kind of talked about why you started Child Collective and the purpose behind it is to kind of reach more people um, why don't you talk exact kind of more directly about what you what it is that you do with this childhood collective? Yeah, so we I mean, again, Katie kind of said we started with this idea because we saw so many families and and ADHD is one of the most common diagnoses that we see in childhood. Um, many parents often go to a pediatrician to get that diagnosis. And what we were finding was really a lot of parents were given, you know, medication is the option and Mm -hmm. that's about it. And the truth that... So the truth is medication's a very powerful treatment and we, you know, again, it's a, it's a scientifically based treatment and we, you know, obviously talk about that too, but 
We also know there are a lot of families with young kids that it's mm-hmm. not really recommended as the first line of treatment or mm-hmm. parents who really want to try other interventions first before going to medication. And we totally understand that and respect that, but many families weren't given another option. Mm-hmm. Um, and we know from the research that there um, are lots of strategies that parents can do and parent training is very effective um, for kids with ADHD, which, and again, we try and say this all the time. It's not because you're a bad parent. Cause I think right. ADHD parents are getting this feedback on a regular basis that you're a bad parent, that you need to punish more, that you need to do these things. And it has mm-hmm. nothing to do with that. It's about, you know, when you have a child with ADHD, they can't be parented in the same way other kids can. They just right. need a different type of parenting. And we aren't given those skills. We aren't given a handbook on how to do that with parenting right. in general. But, at, you know, again, for a child with ADHD, they need specialized um, help. And yeah. so we are trying to basically, you know, give parents those tools that they're not given um, mm-hmm. from the doctor, that there are actually really easy, simple strategies that you can do in your home mm-hmm. right away that are going to make a huge difference in, in those challenging behaviors that you're seeing on a day-to-day basis to make you feel more joy in your parenting because it can feel mm-hmm. so draining and yeah. to really help teach your child to be more independent at home. So that's really where we started was trying to give parents tools to really help things at home be less chaotic and less stressful. Um, and to really teach their, find a way to teach their kids that's effective. That's not punishment based. Like everybody recommends. Right. Right. And, and what, you know, for most of us growing up, that was, that was just how you were raised. It wasn't how we have options now and much more in the resource department. But that's what I do love when you talk about resources, because being on the parent end of things, it is, it's already emotionally exhausting and draining. And then you're like trying to figure out what's going to help my child. Mm -hmm. Just sitting down at a computer or your phone and trying to research this stuff is so overwhelming. Mm -hmm. And you don't know, you know, what sources to trust, what sources not to trust. And like, for me, I was, when I started down this um, road with my oldest, I was already so emotionally depleted that I, I didn't, I honestly didn't have the capacity to really do my own research. I just didn't. I just was like, help me, just help me. So my, my main resource was the pediatrician. Like you were talking Mallory earlier, that was kind of your, you know, you worked with the pediatrician and I'm like thinking when you were talking, I'm like, oh, that would have been nice. (laughs) Like, oh my gosh, where were you when I was there? Uh, because, because that's so needed because like you said, the pediatrician, they're, they're worrying about a whole different aspect of the child than the mental health necessarily. And I know they're watching for things and they're to assist, but I think society right now, it's so, um, especially since COVID, it's so medication driven. And I feel like, you know, everyone wants to do the zoom doctor's appointments instead of in person, which is great Mm -hmm. and awesome in some cases, but it feels very detached, um, to me for like, I need help with something. Please look in my eyes and tell me what I need. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but for me, that was my source, the doctor, right? right? You know, it's like, hey, my kid, he's in here for a broken arm, but actually why we're here, we're having a lot of other issues. And it was a really, really long road to get to any answers, to get really real help. It's honestly 
let's just say in the last six months, we finally are receiving relief. Um, and we started the process. It, it's taken about eight years. Oh my so it's not, it's not easy. And, and I'm in a better mental place too. And that was one of the things I had to come to realize is, oh, I need help too. It's mm-hmm. not just about getting him help. I obviously am suffering greatly from trying to raise a child with these needs, not knowing what to do really. And we were doing everything. We took every class you could imagine Mm -hmm. and everything within my power I was doing. Um, Once I, you know, from time to time, there was times I was doing nothing. So I love what you guys are doing because I see the need. I've seen it in other people as I put myself out there and share a little bit more of my story. I've had people reach out to me locally, like actual friends, that have been dealing with stuff with their kids. And that, like you were mentioning before, that lonely feeling, it just feels, you feel very judged. And I remember like in the younger years, you would go out somewhere in public and, and even with friends, right. And they're like, I can't believe you're letting him get away with that, you know? And, and it's like, you don't understand. Like if I was to step in right now, you have no idea how much different our night would have gone. And so it's, it is a very lonely place to be. And I know we went through a long time where we really didn't go out or we would only go out with certain people, or we would just have people come to our house that we knew understood Mm -hmm. because it's, it's not fun to just go out and you're feeling judged the whole time. Mm -hmm. So I love what you guys are doing. I think it's amazing to bring even just the resources in general, um, to as many people as possible because it's not fun out there searching for it. And so with you guys, you have like a program set up, right? Online. Yeah. Like a course. Oh, Katie, I can't hear you. Oh, me either. So we do, we have an online course, um, all about all for parents, um, who are raising kids with ADHD for kids age four to 12. Um, and again, it's really focused on simple, easy strategies that you can implement at home that make a big difference in, um, helping your child to just feel happy, help your relationship and um, help to develop independence that we want our Mm -hmm. kids to have by the time they grow up and are out of the house. We want to teach them those skills, a lot of executive functioning skills that kids with ADHD really struggle with. Mm -hmm. Um, And in the last month, we just launched um, an online course all about um, helping kids with ADHD really shine at school. Mm. Um, And we did that one again, just you know, over a decade of working with families and we have all gone to hundreds of Mm -hmm. school meetings, IEP meetings, 504 Mm -hmm. meetings and seeing, you know, what school teams sometimes tell parents, um, is not necessarily accurate and Mm -hmm. not according to the laws and things like that. So we really wanted to break that information down. So parents understood how the school works and how to be an amazing advocate for your child um, so Mm. that they, and also teach parents what accommodations and interventions are really helpful for kids with ADHD and how to build a plan of support for them at school so they can um, really, again, shine in that setting. Yes. I love that. And I, (laughs) I again, wish that, um, you know, I would have known you guys years ago, but I, I remember the IEP meeting. So our, we, I started as a 504 Mm -hmm. and, um, I, 
I was clueless, clueless. And again, I was so emotionally depleted. Every meeting I would cry and just, I I didn't retain any information because I didn't know what I was even talking about anyway, or what they were talking about. And it was talk about that was just a whole, yeah, that anyone listening, go take that course or sign up, whatever, because that is so so valuable and so draining. And even for me, um, I attend those meetings all the time and I attend meetings cause I do, you know, evaluations that are second opinion ones for, mm. that are very, um, combative at times and lawyers are involved and, mm. um, it's stressful for me and, and oh, I, I even know the law and mm. can really speak up. And it's just hard for a parent to sit across from like 10 professionals and you feel like, well, they right. must know what they're talking about, right? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And you just feel helpless. So yep. you have to be educated in that area to really to really be able to be an advocate for your child. You have to understand it. And it's very complicated to understand. So we really tried to break it down and That's simplify awesome. it as much as possible for parents. And mm. I think on the flip side of that, you guys can hear me now, right? Yes. <laughs> uh, on the flip side of that, it's like there's... Yes, there's the side where the professionals are saying like, oh, no, we can't give these services or we can't provide Mm -hmm. this eligibility. And then there's a lot of parents, like even myself, teachers will ask me like, well, what do you think we should do to support your child at school? Like, what would be the best way to help? And I think Mm -hmm. a lot of teachers, like we have a ton of teachers that follow us and get our emails and that kind of thing, which we love that. Mm -hmm. Um, But we'll ask a question like, hey, teachers that follow us, like, what training did you get in ADHD specifically? And special education teachers, they have more training in this, but the general education teachers, which is where most kids with ADHD are going to be, is in a general education classroom. They literally said, I have zero training, no, no formal training at all. And so, but we know that there's a lot of kids in the classroom that have these needs and the teachers don't really necessarily know how to accommodate or what to do. And they're asking parents, like, what do you think? What would help? And parents don't know. They're like, I don't know what accommodations, first of all, what's an accommodation? What's a modification? These are like legal terms, right? That we throw them around like no big deal. Um, But parents don't always know. And then, and then they're kind of trying to figure out like, okay, my child is super wiggly or my Mm. child really struggles. Like Lori said, with reading long passages and I don't know, Mm -hmm. is audio an audio book an option? I don't know. I wouldn't know that if I wasn't like the, technology person in the school. So a lot of what we're trying to do both on our social media and in our course shining at school is to really empower parents. Like we can't tell you specifically what accommodations your child needs. And those are going to change over time, but giving them a lot of examples of like different things that they can try and really empowering parents, like to show up to the meeting with ideas and solutions, because a lot of times the teachers are asking like, what do you think? <laughs> and that's right. a really difficult. I, I've been in that personally in that situation. Yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh, I, uh, I don't know. My head, I don't know. Yes. It's so hard. And it's different when it's your own yes. child. And yes. so it's just, it's, it can be really, really challenging for parents to navigate the schools and like, just what, even in the most friendly, amicable situations, like I still don't really know exactly what I'm, what should be asking for. Right. Right. And I do, I, I think that's going to be very valuable because I, I was trying to help a a friend actually go through the same process because, you know, we did it and we, I definitely had no clue what I was doing. Now I'm like (laughs) doing it with my second child and I'm just like, boom, boom, boom. Um, but it, it's, yeah, it's a very, it's very hard. And I think 
you know, these poor teachers too, and especially now, like they've got so much on their plate and Mm -hmm. there's a lot of kids, it seems like with ADHD now. Mm -hmm. And so it's not like, I feel like maybe it used to be, and I'm sure you guys have more knowledge on this, but where maybe you'd have like one in a class Mm -hmm. or, you know, one in a school where now there's so many that these teachers are like, oh, where can everyone sit? Because there's so many of them and that can't sit next to each other or whatever it might be. And then I was just talking to one of the teachers about um, like fidget toys, you know, because that's like, oh, this popular thing now Mm -hmm. where I think it started as like awesome. And now it's like, I have to tell my kids, no, you cannot take your fidget toys to school anymore (laughs) because it's not, you're not using them for the right purpose. We actually- Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. I have calm strips, which I don't know if you guys have heard of calm strips. Those are my favorite. So, like, I was going to show you, but it's on my computer because I touch it all the time. Um, so, so I just gave uh, one of my kiddos teachers a, a, bo- a bag of those because I'm like, yeah. you need these. You need these. They don't, they're pretty quiet. <laughs> yeah, they are. And they're not so distracting. I think that's yes. like the fidget spinners. So distracting. Oh my gosh. Oh. Even I get distracted by a fidget spinner. I'm oh, like, no, yes. you cannot have that because I yes. am distracted. <laughs> yes. Well, you have to, it's different. Like my kids all have their fidget toys in the cars and vehicles or whatever, mm-hmm. but it's different at school. It's like, yeah. you, like I have, I have. I have mine right here. This is my favorite one, the cube. And so like I have mine, this, but I can't use it during podcasts, right? Because that would be really annoying. (laughs) So that's how I tell my girls. I'm like, see, I have this. It's in my drawer for when I'm not on my recording. Uh But calm strips are for during school. This is what we use during school. (laughs) And, And one of the things we really hope to do with the course is help parents feel confident to collaborate with Mm. their child's school to problem solve some of those things where they can come to the table and say, this cube fidget is something that helps my child at home. I realize that maybe this isn't the best for the classroom setting, but what are, you know, let's brainstorm some other ideas, realizing this is a need my child has. Let's bring some other ideas of how to meet my child's need in the classroom. That's acceptable for you, but also helps my child. So that's when, you know, we want to empower families to be able to sit down at the table and have those conversations problem solve with the teacher. And yes, that's a hard thing for a lot of families when they feel like for years they've been fighting against the school exactly. um, to support their child. Yes. And I, yeah, and I agree with that so much because I, we've had lots of practice over the years and we're really big on working with the, the, the teachers. And mm-hmm. we've had a couple of teachers that I would rather not have to work with through <laughs> things, but we can't let our kids know right. that. And we have to show support because again, these, 
this is your teacher. So this is what it is. Mm-hmm. And so we've done that. Like I've even had parents be like, oh, I can't believe you, you know, uh, with that teacher. And I'm like, well, I'm, I'm not going to be negative about it. I can't mm-hmm. drag another adult down that's trying, you know, mm-hmm. to help my child. But that's what we really have learned or I have really learned a lot is and whenever someone asks for advice, I say, work with the school, not against it. Like mm-hmm. try to go in there, like communicate with the teachers. And and it's hard. It's a lot. I've got three kids, but I'll like try to do little update emails and just recently had to switch, um, just had a meeting actually with one of my kiddos teachers and, um, you know, like you said, collaborate with the teacher, like what works at home. And I had, that's why I recommended the calm strips for in the classroom and then um, you know, changing up our homework routine, like, mm-hmm. cause it wasn't working and it's not working. So what can we do different? We're going to have the teacher, you know, circle two of the questions and that's our homework for the night. And if even that doesn't happen, mom's going to shoot an email and we're good, you know, mm-hmm. so just that communication, I think, cause again, these teachers are dealing with a classroom right. full of kids plus mm-hmm. their families. Mm-hmm. So they don't, they're not going to be on top of everything, but, um, yeah. But again, I feel like I'm at a better place mentally now to handle that. Mm-hmm. We're back when the first time I had to go through this, mm-hmm. I, I didn't have any support and I was not a good advocate for my child or myself because I just, I wasn't able to be, yeah. but I'm excited about what you guys have going on though. I think it's so, so exciting. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I think, I think another, a question that we get a lot from parents about the schools too is should I tell my child's teacher that my kid has ADHD Mm. or should I just send them to school and hope for the best? Mm. And again, this comes back to working with the school Mm. and being open and communicating. And, you know, our perspective is if your child has ADHD, they're going to probably get some kind of label in the classroom, whether you're telling the teacher it's ADHD or they're deciding that it's your child being lazy, or they're deciding that your child just needs to work harder, or their peers deciding that they're the mean kid in class, Mm -hmm. they're Mm -hmm. probably going to end up with a label of some kind. So let's be open with the school. Let them know about your child's diagnosis. Let them know your child's strengths, what your Mm -hmm. child does really well so they can work off of those. Let them know what's working to help your child with their challenges at home. Mm -hmm. Um, we generally don't find that it serves kids very well to kind of just push them into school and hope for the best without having that kind of communication with the teacher. But it, I understand parents' hesitation with that because yeah. people do kind of have preconceived notions about what ADHD is and how it right. presents. And that's why it's really important for parents to kind of get in front of the narrative mm. and speak to their child's strengths and talk about what really helps their child be successful to set them up for success at school too. Now, what would you say to... Because because this, what you just said was if someone already knows, you know, whether they went through the pediatrician and then they were connected with you or what, they already know their child has ADHD. Mm-hmm. What if you have a child that, you know, is presenting things that look like ADHD or you're thinking things, do you mention, like, do you, do you talk to the teacher about that and say, hey, what do you notice in the classroom or how are things in the classroom to kind of try to figure out if you even want to start down like that road of evaluation and seeing things or do you wait for the teacher to bring it up? Like, Hey, we're having some issues. I think it's really good if you're seeing those things at home to bring that up with the teacher, just because from our experience, I see a lot of kids where parents are coming in like fourth, fifth grade and 
these things have been going on a long time and at home and the parents were just kind of waiting for a teacher to say something. And I think a lot of times teachers are told at school not to bring that up Mm. and not to say that word. And, Mm -hmm. and maybe are even just too worried about what the parents might say if they bring it up. Um, Cause some parents react very negatively to hearing that or getting that feedback Um, some are accepting. So I think it can be a hard position for a teacher to bring that up. So Mm -hmm. if you are as a parent are coming in and saying, Hey, I'm struggling with these things at home. What do you see at school that allows them to open up if they are seeing those difficulties? And sometimes they really get amazing feedback from the teacher that says to them, Hey, you know, I think it's time. It's, it's, these things are impacting my child, not just at home. Now it's happening at school mm. and other settings. Mm-hmm. And now it seems like a time to get an evaluation. And I, I know we've struggled, you know, with one of our kids with a lot of attention stuff and it's, we have a family history mm. of it. So I have always, you know, gone to my teachers and said, Hey, how are they doing in these areas? Cause I want to stay yeah. ahead of it. If anything does show up. Right. Yeah. And I've had a really similar situation with one of my kids who is very inattentive, not hyperactive, right? So when Mm. you have that hyperactivity, then the teachers tend to flag it really early and you start getting those calls and emails and like, Hey, do you have a minute? I just want to chat where the Mm. inattention piece, I feel that I've actually been on the other side, kind of educating the teachers and saying like, Hey, this is something that we're seeing. Like, you know, this is what that looks like at home. What are you noticing? And Mm. I think it's kind of what Mallory said, where like the label isn't, necessarily ADHD. Like that's not what the teacher thinks of. It's like, Oh yeah. You know, they can be a little bit spacey and you're like, "Mm -hmm, yep, that we're saying the same thing, but it is important when you are trying to get that diagnosis, you know, parents might not realize that you, you need to show these challenges across different environments. You wouldn't like just have ADHD at home or just have it at school. So it is important and it can be a part of the challenge for parents a lot Mm -hmm. of times because their child might look different at school, um, especially with inattentive ADHD and especially with girls that that Mm. might not always get picked up right away. Um, But if you're noticing these things, you know, having that conversation and kind of educating the teacher too, to say, you know, these are some of the things that I'm seeing. Um, What does that look like on your end? And that can be a really important part of the process. And then from there, parents can get testing you know, done more right. of like a private evaluation, like a medical evaluation, which is okay. like what Lori and Mallory would do. Um, mm-hmm. They can do some testing in the school. That's not going to be to diagnose ADHD, but more to like get services in the school. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of options when people, when people are trying to figure out like, where do I go <laughs> for this evaluation? Right. What do I do? Um, and I think right. that's a huge stumbling block for a lot of families. Cause you might decide yeah. like, okay, I'm seeing these things. I need to do this. I know what I need to do. And then it's like, now what do I do? (laughs) And that's really challenging. So would you say like, if you're at that point, would your first point of reference or your first place to start be your pediatrician where you're just bringing it up with your pediatrician so that there's like record of you having the concern or wanting to go forward? Because I know it seems like quite a struggle just, I mean, from my experience, going to the pediatrician, they kind of hand you off to, you know, someone else. And I I just felt like it was such a challenge. And especially if you have an insurance and you're not able to like go to a private place and just get your own evaluation if you can't afford it. 
Is that yeah. your best option really think, to start with pediatrician? I think it's always good to to talk with your pediatrician about it. And it's a great place to start for families. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, we talk about this in our course and we talk about this on social media a lot that we, again, ADHD is highly, um, highly co-occurs with other diagnoses. One of them being um, learning disorders like dyslexia, dysgraphia, um, autism, uh, speech and language disorders, um, uh, lots of other other types of things. And mm. so a pediatrician can diagnose ADHD. The problem is, is that if there are these other things like anxiety or depression or, you know, they're not as good as at evaluating those other things or they can't, mm. like they can't mm-hmm. diagnose dyslexia, for instance. Okay. And so if you have other concerns with your child's academics or there's anxiety or other types of issues that are going on, we recommend seeing a psychologist probably mm, to, to yeah. address that. Um, and I would yeah. say most of the kids that I see, and again, I'm going to see more of the complex cases, but I rarely see a child that just has ADHD. They usually have other diagnoses going on. Right. I bet. Yeah. And the pediatrician can be a great way to kind of get your foot Mm -hmm. in the door Mm -hmm. and can be your key to pursuing medication if that's the route you want to take. Or in some cases, that's all you need to then get extra help at school. But again, coming back to Lori's point, if it feels like there's more going on, and a lot of times there is, you might want to add in a more comprehensive evaluation later down the line. Yeah. Um, But the pediatrician is a good way to kind of get your foot in the door and get things started. And I think one of the challenges with that is like, at least we're in Arizona and, you know, one, there's a lot of psychologists now that don't want to take insurance, like you mentioned. Mm -hmm. So it is private pay. And there's also some pretty hefty wait lists. So families will call and reach out and say, let's say it's October and the school year is off to a rocky start and Mm -hmm. I need to get an eval. And then they're told like, okay, we have a spot for you in May of next year. And so the pediatrician really is a great like stopgap for that. Like Mm -hmm. if the, depending on what you need, it can be really helpful. A lot of pediatricians will manage medication. Like Mal said, sometimes Mm -hmm. they'll say like, you need to see a psychiatrist because this is more complex and there's, let's say the need for some anxiety medication and you know, whatever that looks like. But, um, but I think for families that are really, by the time you make that call, a lot of times you're already in a pretty hard spot. And Mm -hmm. then to be told like, it's a six month wait list and it's going to cost you $3,500 or something, it it can be really overwhelming. So, so I think the pediatrician is a copay. It's likely down the street um, from your house and it's just a more manageable place to begin. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's just, it's figuring out kind of like, yeah, what, what is the main purpose? And then kind of going into that. And, And for people who are listening to this, like we do have a pretty extensive blog and a a lot of blogs in particular about like what specialist diagnosed ADHD, where do I go? And it really, we go through and break down like all the pros and cons of each of the different mm. practitioners. Cause even within that, there's like psychologists, neuropsychologists, psychiatrists, like there's a lot of nuance and it feels really scary, but right. really we break it down to say, okay, this is kind of the most where you're going to get the most comprehensive report. Um, you know, and then if you need to go through your insurance, like here's some steps you can take to find, mm. find a provider just, of course, thinking about my own experience, starting the pediatrician, because that's where I started, mm-hmm. was great. Um, but like, 
I had to learn to advocate because I'm, I'm the type, like whatever the doctor says is right. And mm-hmm. they, I just listened to them. And again, I wasn't in a real great emotional place. So it was just kind of like, they're like, well, let's, let's, let's wait a month and let's see how the progress is. And I'm like, okay. When I'm dying, you know, struggling, mm-hmm. needing major assistance and, 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 and two, my first child, you know, I don't know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, I guess everyone else is dealing with the same stuff. And mm-hmm. so I didn't stand up for my child or myself for a really long time. And so I think if anyone can get something, it's stand up for your kid, you know, like mm-hmm. it's so important. And I look at myself now and wishing, of course, I could go back and redo all that. But, um, but you know, we only know what we know when we know it. So that's exactly right. We have to give ourselves lots of grace. Yeah. Lots of grace, lots of grace in parenting, (laughs) but it was, you know, it, 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 there were so many frustrating times and it did take me like getting truly desperate to where I'm just like, Mm -hmm. well, I really need help. And the school's complaining and everyone else is complaining. Like we need to do something about this. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so yeah, I think that's a good place to start, but then also you've got to kind of push once you're in that, once your foot's in the door, you kind of have to stand up for what you know. And I'm sure it varies from doctor to doctor too, of course, Mm -hmm. like some, Mm -hmm. even with the difference between my kids' doctors, there some will sit there and listen to you and some are like, okay, next. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I think that's another challenge that parents face. And we'll talk to parents who say, like, I've known since my kid was one and a half, or I've known since my kid was two. Mm -hmm. Um, But in the States, the earliest we really diagnose ADHD is four, usually Mm -hmm. closer to six. Other countries don't do it until six or later. Um, So by the time families are getting this diagnosis, they're often telling us, like, I've known for a long time. And there's a lot of time that goes by where you wish you had support. Um, but you didn't. And, and that's another reason, again, that we created our online course, like no diagnosis required, no pediatrician referral required. Yeah. Um, Getting families, these tools and this information and understanding about ADHD and how the brain is different and how you can get an evaluation if you haven't gotten an evaluation yet, you know, um, kind of can also fill that gap between Mm parents like feeling like they need more support, but medical professionals are saying, wait and see too young, six right. month wait list, things right. like that. It's challenging exactly. for families. Oh, it's the, and it's so discouraging too, when you think you're getting somewhere and you're like, Hey, I'm going to get some assistance. And then you're like, just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's, that is, I, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm really thrilled with what you guys have going on because I think that you again, just getting that information out there, the resources, like I, it's exhausting just getting on Mm -hmm. and looking for like, what should I do next? So to just, and I'm the type of person, like, if you just tell me what to do, I'll do it. I'll do my homework. (laughs) Like I'll do it. But I just need someone to just tell me. So Mm -hmm. I think that's so valuable. And I know like we um, just had some in-home help in our, in our house, some in-home therapist. And I laughed with her because I'm like, it's like, you know, puppy classes, when you have a puppy, it's like, I know how to train a dog, but I'm going to go to these little puppy classes so that every week I have to do my homework and show up and make sure my dog knows how to sit real good. Mm -hmm. So I told her, I said, you're my puppy trainer. Like you're making (laughs) me do my homework every week. But I think that like about online courses too, where it's just like, we just need the steps. I just need Mm -hmm. to know, okay, what do I do? And, and again, the resources, like, it, it, I'm now that I am, you know, more able to do my own research, there, there is a lot of resources out there, a mm-hmm. lot, 
but it's just finding them. It's yeah. exhausting. So yeah, if you I do a Google search for ADHD, oh. it's like overwhelming. Oh. Really and overwhelming. That's what we, we try and tell parents like, you don't have to have your PhD in child psychology or be an ADHD <laughs> expert to know what you need to know to make mm. change happen or to feel like things can get better. Half yeah. of, I mean, I would say more than half of what we've learned about ADHD didn't happen in school or grad school. Mm. It's really come yeah. from experiences Experience. and working yeah. with families and you guys teaching us. Yeah. Um, and, you know, really investigating the research and all of that for our own mm. purposes um, yeah. and really paring it down into these are the, the critical things you need to know. Um, yes. You don't and need I to think, know <laughs> Yeah. And I think when you're in that, for me, that emotional mental place, baby steps. And like, yeah. like you said, the critical points, I just told a friend who's dealing with some, some, um, similar stuff that I've gone through, I, I, I told her, quit reading the books. Just stop and go read a book for fun or go read a book for yourself. Do not read another parenting book right now. Because I felt I did that. I read. All I was listening to was parenting podcasts. All I was listening, reading was ADHD books and anything I can find. And it, it just turns to mush in my brain. You know, it was just mm -hmm. like, okay, this is so overloaded. And am I learning anything? I'm reading all these things, but am I putting it into action? You know? So just like, I'm one of those people, give me those critical steps. Boom. I will do them. I will put them on my mirror in the morning, like whatever, yeah. but it's overload. Sometimes you get so overloaded. And again, when you're already depleted so much emotionally, oh, the last thing you want to do is open up that how my child's brain works book and, yep. you know, reads, reads more about, I mean, I do find it fascinating, but when you're going through it, no. it's not fascinating. It's like work. Yeah. 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 We work with a lot of families, uh, that, you know, at the end of an evaluation, for instance, we're like, okay, let's make a plan of like one to maybe three things that you're going to do yes. to implement because yep. you can't do it all. And some yeah. kids, you know, have a lot of needs and there are so many things and you're just like, where do I start? And mm -hmm. really thinking about for yourself, thinking about what are the areas that we're having the most significant challenges with and start there. You can't do everything all at once. And sometimes, like you said, it, you can't do anything. Like you have right. to take care of yourself and give yourself the therapy you need to be able to do mm -hmm. any of these things. If you are right. depressed, how yeah. are you going to implement any strategies? Like mm -hmm. it's really impossible to do that. So sometimes it's right. a matter of taking that time for ourselves to get that help that we need. You have to do that before you can really help your child. I have not been in that same situation myself at all. <laughs> not at all not at all and it is and you know what's you know I I've gone through I feel like so many phases with with parenting but there's so many like there's been times where I'm just like you know my mind is how we were raised like it's if mom says no it's no mm -hmm. and that's not how raising my children has gone at all so <laughs> I really yeah I really had to to learn learn that but like again, the therapy for me. And I would say, mm -hmm. I, I always like fought with the idea of like, well, it shouldn't be how I'm parenting, you know, because mm -hmm. I'm parenting just fine, but right. I'm not parenting this child with different needs. Mm -hmm. Fine. 
I'm parenting maybe be the average child fine, but not this child that needs some different parenting. And so I really had to grasp that concept, which was super hard. I'm very like stubborn and like, I'm no, not even stubborn. I'm more of a control freak. Like I want mm-hmm. everything lined up and it needs to, everything's mm-hmm. controlled. That was really hard to give up that control and learn. Mm-hmm. I have to let things go. There are right. things that really don't matter. And this is probably mm-hmm. the last six months, honestly, that I've really grasped this idea. And as I have a child that's older now, it's made the biggest difference in our relationship. And now I can like, like really feel confident in saying like, okay, a lot of this has to do with me. You know, it's not Mm -hmm. that I'm a bad parent or I'm not doing things right, but it is adjusting how I parent and admitting that I'm not parenting this specific child the way that they need. Mm -hmm. So that's been huge for me. And it's been like, groundbreaking in parenting, but I've had to let things go and I sure don't like it. I sure don't like it, but I do it and it's working. So it's like, Oh yay. Things do eventually work out. (laughs) That's so good to hear. I know. And, and I think like I had a friend one time we were on a walk and I was, we were talking about parenting and we have really similar age kids with like really similar challenges. And she said something like to the effect of, well, you know, it's the way that they act isn't a reflection of you. And I was actually kind of like mad at her (laughs) for a little bit because I'm like, well, that's absolutely ridiculous. Like, and it took me a lot of time to kind of come to terms. And like, I, you know, it's one of those that just bangs around in your brain for a while after Mm -hmm. someone says it. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, I think there's a lot of truth to that. Like, like you're saying, you know, you, you have to show up for your kids and yes, absolutely changing the way that we show up and our own mental health and like prioritizing ourselves is a huge piece of it. And then the letting go piece, and understanding Uh, like it's there's like you said there's only so much that you can control and I think for me personally it was really impacting my mental health um just this idea of like oh my gosh my in-laws are coming in what are they going to think if my kid has a tantrum and and it was a lot of stress and a lot of anxiety that I was putting but really I was the one placing that on myself but it was affecting my kids because then I was so stressed out and like easily frustrated and triggered and um, but I don't know. That's a journey for me for sure. Because when mm. she said that, I was like, irate. I'm like, uh, no, absolutely not. And it really is like, the more you start to process it, it's like, okay, yeah, that's a much more freeing place to be. Yes. Um, and rather than like, I'm in charge of everything and I have to control yeah. all. Yes. And I think like as women, maybe, you know, more than men, but, but like, everything needs to be perfect. You know, like mm-hmm. I need to make sure everything looks perfect. And, and getting away from that is, hu- well, has been huge mm-hmm. for me yeah. because it's like, I, I'm not perfect. And now I'm not a Pinterest mom and it feels really good, you know, cause <laughs> I, I was that Pinterest mom for a while and, mm-hmm. but it was all just to please everyone else. I'm like, what am I doing? And now it's great. It's like, yeah, my house isn't put together like it normally or it used to be, but whatever. Yeah. I'm happier now. Um, (laughs) why don't you guys, um, go ahead and share where everyone can find you and find out more information about what you are sharing with the world, because we all need to know it. Uh, you can find us on Instagram. We're on there every single day with videos, resources, lots of information. We have tons of blogs and free resources and all of our courses on our website, thechildhoodcollective.com. Um, and you can send us an email if you have any questions about anything we talked about today at hello at thechildhoodcollective.com. But we'd love to have you as a part of our community. Um, so check out all of our free resources. And it was wonderful being on today. Thank yes. you so Thank much. You.
It was so, so good. Thank you all for joining me for another episode of the Shanty Pants Show. I really appreciate you guys hanging out with me every week. You can find all of my links to all my social medias, anything your heart desires at shantypantsshow.com. You can even find my amazing merch is back up and running there. And you can email me from there. All the things. All the things. Also, you always ask, how can you help me out with this whole podcast situation? You can subscribe to my podcast. You can leave reviews. You can share it with friends. I appreciate it all. So I am super excited to bring you guys the rest of the season. It's going to be amazing. And I'll see you next week. Don't ever silence your voice. 